0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Hump Day, welcome into a Wednesday, January 17th edition of Daily Face-Off Live, brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year for best sportsbook operator. The game starts now at Batano.ca. We are live on the Daily Face-Off YouTube, Or yes, we are looking for your hashtag Ask DFO inbox question. Frank Saravalli, how are you doing on this Wednesday morning? Afternoon. I'm good.
3: Gearing up for Jasper this weekend, heading out to Calgary tonight, so uh, looking forward to getting out west.
0: Yeah, Frank's going to be a Berta boy for the next four or five days here. Um, Let's dig into Frank. Actually, we're going to talk about what went down in Alberta between the Oilers and Leafs a little bit later on with Luke Gazdick. But let's go a little bit more east of Alberta and out to Winnipeg, Frank, where Kyle Connor made his return to the lineup. And in a weird way, it almost felt like it got lost in the shuffle of the Jets heater that they went on this run without their leading goal scorer. He returns last night, his first game, since December 10th. And look at these numbers since crazy. Kyle Connor's injury 13-2-2. Two two, the best points percentage in the NHL, eighth in goals scored in the NHL, best goals against Mark per game. All 13 of those wins came in regulation in that span. Second place in the NHL only has 10. The run they went on with without Kyle Connor is incredible.
3: It's the numbers are crazy to think that Kyle Connor would be out for that long and the Jets didn't miss a beat. Not only do they defend so well, but you know you watch last night's game and you can see how he impacts things right away. I know it was an empty netter that he scored, but you watch how he slows things down on the power play. They kind of need a little bit of a shot in the arm on that power play, and maybe that was the one thing that was lagging a little bit when he was out. But the way that they defended is insane. I mean, last night was the 13th consecutive game that the Jets have allowed two or fewer. I don't know what's more impressive the 13 game run of two or fewer or 33 now with three or less 33 straight games, three goals or less allowed. I mean, it's November 7th. I think is the last time that they allowed more than three goals in a game. It's that's the blueprint. That's the recipe for success.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly why I think they're going to be such a tough out rest of the regular season come playoff time because Hey, no matter what's happening in front with that top six, no matter what they upgrade at the deadline, the fact you have Connor Hellebuck, the other Connor on that team, and that team in front that just they're so bought into what Rick Bonus is doing, they don't give you a lot of opportunities. Then, yeah, maybe you get a two-on-one or you get a breakaway. You got to beat Kyle Connor. You got to do all that. Or sorry, Connor Hellebuck. You got to do all that hard work to beat who has probably been the best goalie in the NHL to this point. It's, It's something.
3: So since you just said it, it kind of made me think of it. And our headline is Connor's back. And I'm sure anyone not looking at it was like, oh, McDavid. Yeah. If you had to pick either McDavid on one side or Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck on the other, what would you go with to start a team?
0: Oh, like if we were doing a start from scratch, so I can either have the best goalie and a guy who's what a perennial 40 goal scorer or the best player in the world. Oh man, that's a tough question, but I I think the 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 two pieces might be better than the one in a weird way.
3: I think you're right, especially when Hellebuck's playing at the level that he is, and his dad continues to be an international treasure on social media. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun to watch, and and in Winnipeg, I love that you get a game like last night. You know, you're going to get the best push from the Islanders in the third period. They give up a goal in the first minute of the third and are able to hang on and play really sound defense down the stretch. There's no wobble with this team, and I think that part is really important.
0: Yeah, so the Winnipeg Jets just keep going this way, straight up, and they're getting a big break getting a guy back from injury. So what would be the exact reverse of that? Well, it would be a team going that way, down, and who gets dealt a tough blow injury-wise. That's the Vegas Golden Knights right now, Frank. They continue to sputter along in the Western Conference, four and six in their last ten, and now the news that Jack Eichel is going to be week-to-week after undergoing surgery. Uh, Frank, this is a big, big blow, and goes without saying, he's kind of their most important player. Leads the team in goals, leads the team in shots. This is a big loss for Vegas.
3: I've never seen a surgery quite that expansive before. The old lower-body surgery. I mean, he had the whole thing operated on in one stretch. I like, geez, week to week. It sounds more like year to year after that kind of uh, operation. But in all seriousness, uh, the first thing not to play Dr. Saravalli again to my Vegas friends is you watch him. You kind of come up lame in that game. Nothing really to point to in a, you know, sort of, oh, man, that that was ugly kind of way the first thing I thought of was, oh, that looks like a sports hernia injury. And I don't know for sure that that's the case, but you know, when you look at timelines in the past, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, eight weeks or so before, you know, they might come back before then, but being in a spot where they can really be impactful um, and get back to normal again, it's going to take a bit of time. So we don't know what the injury is. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but This is, as you mentioned, a significant blow for a team that has really struggled to stay healthy and has kind of clearly hit a wall as a result of these injuries. Shea Theodore being out has been a huge, another huge hole for that team that they're not able to fill. And when they had a stretch of time where Martinez was out, like it's, it's a tough, that's a tough roster when you're dealt injury issues like they have because of their structure. They kind of more than any other team in the league pays like the super elite players like the Petrangelo, Eichel, Stone level. And then they have like a couple guys, just a few that are in the NHL's middle class. And then everyone else is kind of right around a million bucks in league minimum. So when you take those top flight players out of the lineup and you have, you know, some off years, William Carlson Uh, he's, he's out now, but he hasn't looked like himself this year. Chandler Stevenson has not been as good as he had been in years past. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with a huge disparity in talent from top end to the bottom that I think it makes it really difficult to compete. Say nothing of the injuries that they've also had in net.
0: Yeah, that too. Um, I know a lot of people because of last season with Mark Stone, Vegas has that old LTIR trickery stink on them. But considering week to week, you mentioned, you know, maybe an eight week time frame. There's no way this cycle thing is going to allow them to go make a big splash in LTIR until playoffs, right?
3: Well, that was the first thing everyone thought of when they said week to week with the vague lower body surgery. So I guess until we see it, we don't know for sure.
0: Fair enough. Uh, it's a Western Conference heavy show, but we'll head out to Colorado next, Frank. And last week, we teased your interview with Avs GM Chris McFarland. It's releasing today, so you can find, frankly speaking, wherever you get your podcast from. And the Avs GM talked a little bit about their need for a goalie and Alexander Gorgiev's workload. Let's take a listen.
3: A uh, big, important piece of your team, uh, Alexander Georgiev in net. He's on track for 60... 60- Eight games played this year uh, he's got right now at the halfway mark three more starts than anyone else in the league if again if this was an ideal world how in, in your mind what's the best kind of split is in it, my mind it's where, where
0: would you cap in my it? mind you know in, in in just in in talking and you know around you know with guys with our you know strength coaches and trying to dial in information i i think 55 is is the is the ideal number if you know ideal that range 50 to you know 55 is the the number that i think for me would give me a a comfort level i think you wanna you want your guy quote unquote guy fresh uh you know for april if you're able to grab one of those eight tickets and i know you know every team is 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 kind of different and maybe there's some guys that can go 60 or um you know 62 but um you know. For me, my my comfort level would be a you know certainly less pace than what he's on target for right now. Frank, yesterday we talked about Valeri Nichushkin, and depending on what happens with him and and his uh, absence from the team, they might need to add a forward. No matter what happens there, they need a goalie in bad.
3: Yeah, look, it's too much, and I think we're seeing a huge change in terms of how teams approach this. You might see some of the best guys in the league. Demko, Hellebuck, that group, UC Saros has played, he's the next closest guy to Georgiev, but Demko and uh, and Hellebuck, they're on track for like 61. So just to give you an idea of how you know much the abs are concerned with Georgiev's workload he gets a complete day off yesterday which if you talk to goalies around the league if you're backing up you're that's not really a day off you're taking a lot of shots and warm ups you have to be prepared so for him to get a full night out of his equipment was a big step for the abs to get to that point they wanted to get used this uh, a prospect that they believe in they wanted to get him a start. I don't think that they're too comfortable with Ivan Prozvatov, who they claimed on waivers earlier this year from Arizona. So they're definitely going to be looking because they want someone that could come in and spell Georgiev to to shrink that workload in the second half because they want him to be fresh come, come April. And I think one thing to keep in mind, too, as all of this has unraveled, is Chris McFarlane really said point blank, this injury that they had to pra- Pablo Franzose which was season ending before training camp started there it's put them in a really tough spot like Fransos was sort of the guy that they had leaned on in big moments including during that Stanley Cup run that they really trusted and it's hard to find someone else that you trust as the sort of one B to go with Georgiev and I would add in too that Georgiev's numbers have, I think, suffered as a result. 9.15 save percentage the first month of the year. He's had a couple months in the 8.83, 8.85 range since then. That really kind of raises an eyebrow with me.
0: When you look at sort of the different ranges of goalies that are out there on the market, you know, maybe some whispers about Marc-Andre Fleury being available if the Wild continue to struggle. We've heard about one of the names in Detroit, like a James Reimer. Montreal's got Jake Allen on the board. Is there a range there out of all those that you say? Okay, there, like they maybe don't need a bona fide starter, but maybe they need someone better than a waiver claim name.
3: Yeah, I think to me the guy that stands out there is Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, can we all envision a scenario in which Mark Andre Fleury and the ABS go up against the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final, and how juicy that would be? Uh, I, I can certainly see it. Uh, but I, look, I think they want someone that's more than just someone that opens the door, uh, someone that can play if needed and play for a 10 day stretch if needed. And I think he's sort of the perfect guy and perfect temperament that said the wild need to be out of the race and flurry needs to raise his hand in order to say, Hey, I, you know, I'd like to be moved to a team that has an authentic chance to win. And the, Avs would probably need a little bit of help in salary retained as well to make sure that they're able to go after who they want to get that guy that's their second line center need.
0: Yeah, they they have a couple of holes they'll need to fill ahead of the deadline. Certainly a team to keep an eye on, and you can catch Frank's interview with their GM, Chris McFarland, today on Frankly Speaking. Another player we're going to hear a lot about over the next six weeks, Frank, is Sean Monahan. The deadline countdown article today at dailyfaceoff.com is all about the market for the Habs centerman who, man, what a tidy piece of business that uh, the Habs front office has here. You get a pick for bringing on Monaghan, then you sign him for cheap. And now, Frank, if they're willing to retain 50%, the market for this guy is going to be very strong.
3: It is. And and look, you can, with all the teams that need a sort of second or third line center, I mean, you can stack them up. And here's some of the destinations that uh, Matt Larkin wrote about today on dailyfaceoff.com. The one, like you, you could you can envision him being a fit in any of these places. He played for Bradstreet Living, of course, in Calgary, so you could see him going to Toronto, uh, Vancouver. Uh, I think ideally they, you know, they're looking at a top six addition. You know, I, I think the best course of action for them is center. We talked, uh, we're gonna talk today on Oilers Nation every day about the idea of, you know, third line center or second line right wing. Well, if you can get Corey Perry, if you're the Oilers. Monaghan might be that perfect addition, but the team that really stands out for me is the Boston Bruins. I know cats living with dogs, Bruins trading with Habs, like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But when I look at that Bruins team and I look at asset cost and I look at style of play and how defensively conscious Sean Monahan is, I think he's sort of an ideal fit for a team that has punched above his weight class. It's weight class without David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron this year that, you know, I don't think they need the Elias Lindholm type addition, which would be a home run. This is a really nice checkdown option. The problem for the Bruins is they don't have a second round pick this year. In fact, their first pick in 2024 isn't until the fourth round and their prospect pool isn't overflowing and they don't have a second round pick in 2025 so becomes problematic trying to figure out what is the appropriate price to pay for this guy
0: yeah and when we when i knew we were going to talk mona today i went and looked through those teams and their assets and at first with boston i kind of thought well no don't they want someone who's going to push down a zaka and a coil not someone to slot in behind them but then you go look at the assets that they have and you go Oh, even if they wanted to do that, they they probably couldn't. Um, I still think Edmonton would talk about it uh, later today on Oilers Nation every day. But I think I think Edmonton's a slam dunk fit for this guy. When you talk about the way their top six is kind of humming right now, if you could have a third line that has a Monahan, maybe a Parryad and a Vander Kane on the left side, he's in the he's been on their third line for a bit before last night. Like then you start to kind of understand, okay, you can beef up this bottom six in Edmonton and not have to give up a first round pick in the case of Monahan.
3: Yeah, and that would be ideal because then you could still potentially use that in other ways to go out and fill some of the other things that you need. What if you could get through that and say, hey, we could now use that first round pick on trading Jack Campbell's contract to then get us the cap relief that could make all this happen and have the cap relief for next year and beyond.
0: Interesting stuff. Uh, new deadline article up every day over at Daily Face, so make sure you check it out. A ton of Western Conference stuff up from earlier in the week as well. Uh, let's continue along and get to the big segment today. It's the Players Room with Luke you. The player's room, as always, is delivered by DoorDash. My new favorite thing about DoorDash, it's the Double Dash feature. It lets you add an additional order from another restaurant with no extra delivery fee or order minimums. The combinations are endless at DoorDash. And for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code nation 25 luke gazdick the former nhl or current net analyst and host of the Mits off podcast and luke you were doing a little watch along last night for that <laughs> oilers leafs game and it delivered that was a playoff like hockey game between those two sides
2: yeah. It's fun to do uh my first kind of live stream. I enjoyed that, but yeah, first and foremost, what a hockey game. We were treated to a good one last night, even though it was low scoring early, the chances from both sides. Uh, I, I just thought both teams kind of brought a different level there and, and it was, uh, you know, for a mid January game at this point in the season, I, I would like to see a couple more of those.
3: Yeah. I think we could all take that Luke and hook it right into our veins. Um, when it comes to the Leafs though, like they've blown leads in four straight, they've got 13 regulation wins in 42 games. The chants seem to be growing louder and louder on social media for a coaching change. Can they get it done as is, or do they need outside help either via a coaching change where, where are you at on that? And if not roster changes, roster surgery.
2: No, I think they just need more help on their roster. I sat there after the game, and I kind of just looked up, and the first thing I said was, I don't know what more Sheldon could have done last night. Uh, I really thought their decor was their anchor last night in a bad way. Just lost kind of D-zone coverage. You know, Kip said it good on TV the other night. They got a pretty good number one in Morgan Riley. I love his game, have for a long time. But past that, you're looking at, you know, five, four, four or five of those guys are just bottom end defensemen. And I think hey, they so, really,
3: wait, yeah, here's how I framed it yesterday. Actually, it was on sports we were talking about this. I said, and I look, I'm not disparaging Morgan Riley. When I say this, I think he's a top end number two league wide. Yeah. So I've got Riley as a two, they've got two number fours and three number sevens. That's really where they're at. <laughs> is that, is that yeah. fair or unfair?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment. And you could see it last night. They got exposed. As soon as you start to get some motion, especially in uh, beneath the goal line, they just they start getting confused. They lose coverage. They weren't calling switches. And when you get a team that's kind of offensively as talented as the Oilers are, they just got diced up in the D zone. And, and it's really been their anchor for a while now. But I really don't know what on top of that Sheldon could do. I was watching his line management and who he was going to match. And I thought Chris Knobloch did a good job. You know, he doesn't love putting those two big boys together. He'll do it every now and then. But he did it at the end of the second with – he put Kane on the left side with Drysaddle and McDavid, and then he did it in third with McLeod. So he kind of runs through a little bit, and he had the advantage of home ice. But I really don't know what more Sheldon could have done last night. I'm a former player, obviously. I usually love to lean on the player's side and – probably say coaching's the issue, but last night I really think they're the Leafs D let them down.
3: So here's where I'm at. I I think you can only really judge Sheldon Keefe and I think this Leaf team based on what they look like after the deadline, and I'd personally wait to make the assessment on Keefe because I don't think that that blue line is anywhere close to Stanley Cup caliber, and you're dealing with a team that's kind of on track for 99 or 100 points, They're comfortable, but at times now they're playing themselves into a position where they're uncomfortable, more than the roster. My biggest concern is that this team has shown some cracks of being mentally fragile.
2: I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I try not to overplay it, but when you look at these blown leads game after game, it really creeps in your mind. When you're sitting in a dressing room and you have two goal lead, whatever the lead is, it, it'll start to creep in mentally and you're going into, let's say the third period, and you know, you have to lock it down and it just looks like they're not able to get over that hump. And to me, that's a little bit of coaching, a little bit of players, but I, I don't want to say Sheldon's necessarily lost the room, but you can definitely tell there's a mental hurdle, especially when they have leads. It's just like you see the looks on the face, the body language, the mannerisms. It's like, You know, they score one. It's like, here we go again, kind of right. Everyone kind of shrugs back a little bit, and it's just not the way they're going to have to play, especially in the dog days here coming up in the stretch, down down the stretch here, some tough games. uh, Like, it's only going to get harder from here
0: on in. Flipping the script now and talking about the Oilers, one thing that was evident right from the first shift last night is how engaged Connor McDavid and Leon tri were, not just with the puck, but physically as well. Those were two guys who seemed fired up to play That game last night, when you're a player on a team and you see right from the get go that the stars have jumped out there and they got some energy when you're one of the depth players, does that give you a boost as well when you're like, oh, damn, like if those guys are going, I got to be going too
2: hundred percent. And I love Connor. I started from like from the pregame and the press. Like you watch him in the morning. He had a couple good sound bites. He doesn't love talking up his opponents. He never dresses up his opponents. He will rarely like give compliments to the other team. I think he was just like, oh, you know, they're playing pretty good four or five all stars over there, but he kind of keeps it low key. And I like How that's kind of how he's leading. He kind of just, he doesn't want to give them too much credit. And when he comes out that hot, you know what? I wish the rest of the team kind of jumped off on board right away though. Ty, I think you lean into it a little bit about the big line, having to drag them back into games. Those guys go early, but I feel like the team as a whole kind of tiptoes into games, especially recently. They kind of are like feeling out the opponent and they want to see like what kind of game it's going to be in the first couple minutes. And when you have your two big guys going, I wish everyone would just jump on board. It took them a little bit. It was about till three, four minutes left in the first when they were just humming, but I mean that it's just not a sustainable way to go but you're right man like when your top guys are going and you're sitting there and i i mean for most games i had the best seat in in the league right right bench center and watching the watching two of the the best players in the world go at it it's it's hard not to want to bring your game to the next level
3: the old grocery stick
2: up and down the bench buddy
0: Uh, just one last one I guess when you look at this 11 game heater from the Edmonton Oilers Stuart Skinner's been exceptional it's kind of quieted the talk or the need for a goaltender potentially in Edmonton and we know that the top six is always going to get theirs and score but what also stood out to you about this Oilers team over the last almost month
2: D's been a lot better to be honest, I think the decor is really stabilized back there. I love the job that Cough's done. I I credit Mark Stewart a lot as well. I I know I have a couple of times, but I just think they look a little more solid back there. They were sloppy in the first, but they're just making a lot smarter plays. Like no huge gaping mistakes anymore, I think. And then, you know, you're getting a little bit of depth now. I think I should be pumping up the fourth line a little bit, but they they need a little more from the fourth. But you look at a guy like Ryan McLeod and the job he's done as of late getting hot. I think they need to add. I would love to see him on the wing. I love him more on the wing. I, I think they need to add down the middle, but getting a little bit of production from anyone. But man, when Connor's playing as well as he is and Stu's giving you the saves, it's probably the best run that I've seen Stu on since he's been an Oiler. Like just composed and calm in there making some unreal saves same thing with him too not letting in like one of those little fluff goals early that everyone kind of sags after that uh just as a whole just playing loose and and they're, they just look like they're enjoying it to be honest like how can you not winning 11 straight but a lot of a lot of good vibes in oil country right now
0: yeah the thing that's impressed me with skinner is when you go back through this run in his last four games he gave up a one goal and three straight and i believe In all three of those, it was a first-period goal. Then he dials it back in for the second and third. So things are going well in Edmonton. Not so much in Toronto. Definitely a couple of teams, as always, to keep an eye on. Luke, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Moving along to our daily Face Off inbox question, hashtag ask DFO and is brought to you by Tourism Jasper. There is no better time to explore everything Jasper has to offer than right now in January. Not only is the Pond Hockey Tournament taking place this weekend out at Lake Mildred, but they have a ton of other activities, including the Jasper in January street party, which goes on January 27th. Head to Jasper.travel slash January Frank you're on a plane today coming over to Alberta I'm rocking my Fairmont JPL hat to uh, celebrate that we're just a little bit closer to the big tournament this weekend
3: love to see it can't wait weather's looking good plus degrees in Jasper Alberta in mid-January what did we do to deserve this treat
0: well everyone in Alberta grinded through a week of minus 40 Frank to deserve thanks this for
3: tri- that guys uh, uh
0: let's go to the youtube where andrew e was in with a question early and frank he wants to know what nashville could be up to at this deadline do you think they're staying the course or selling a little bit he says you remembered trot saying they weren't going to compete for a few years where do you come out on the preds
3: yeah i think they have to keep the overall view of the franchise in mind here that as tempting as it might be to kind of stand pat and say hey we could sneak in and get that eighth wa- eighth and final playoff spot as the second wild card. But whoever does is going to get absolutely mauled in the first round. And that's the only easy out in the entire West bracket. So not only do teams at the top actually have something to play for, but if you're the Preds and you're, you know that this isn't your year and it's probably not going to be for two or three ship off some of the pending UFAs that you have. And even, you know, maybe an RFA, like a guy like Dante Fabro, if he's not in your plans moving forward, make the tough decisions and consider everything that comes your way. Could a Colton Sissons make sense? You know, someone that has some time left on his deal at a pretty reasonable number. You might be able to cash in with some value on guys that um, really aren't on everyone's sort of typical trade radar as pending UFAs that have some term and reasonable deals that teams might be interested in.
0: Hey, and what do we know about uh, what do we know about demon at the deadline? They always seem to go for more than you expect, right? So when you look at this, Preds blue line, you mentioned Fabro, Alexander Carrier. I mean, who knows? Maybe if you were to they only have one more retained salary spot. But if you were to keep 50 percent of Tyson Barry, maybe there's a taker out there for Tyson Barry, someone who wants a little bit more puck moving on their blue line.
3: Yeah, and I think that's the key is waiting until teams have some more cap flexibility and can take on someone like Barry or you get a third party broker that really makes it worth their while
0: yeah All right, let's move along to our botano daily bets one and one yesterday but i nailed the new york rangers on the puck line at a juicy plus money price tag as well so in the profits let's try to keep it rolling here tonight with a couple of plays first up i'm taking an underdog it's the detroit red wings taking on the florida panthers florida had their winning streak snapped the other day with an ot loss and the red wings have won two in a row so i kind of like detroit in this spot They're above 500 on the road this season, and this price tag, plus 175, I just feel like with how these two teams have played in their last games, it should be just a little bit tighter, so I like taking a gamble on a dog in Detroit, and a shot prop in this game, but on the Panthers' side, Matt Kachuk has been ripping the pill as of late, 29 shots in his last five games, I'm not great at math, but that works out to almost six per game, His line is set at three and a half. He's hit this in seven of 10, and the price tag is at minus 120, which is a good spot. Again, considering he's hit it in seven of his last 10. So I'm all in on Matt Kachuk to hit his shot prop as well. So a couple of plays at the short slate, all centered around one game. You can get in on the action over at patano.ca. That brings us to garbage time. Frank, what do you got?
3: I got a lot of griping on social media. I mean, that's the place to do it if you've got a complaint. But the fact that we went through yesterday's matchup between the Oilers and Leafs and people in Canada are bellyaching that it wasn't on national TV. Gary, you've got to get this right. The NFL and NBA would never let this happen, Adam Seaborn says. Well, we've talked this year and it's been a storyline. And in fact, it's fresh news today with Amazon buying a stake, a minority stake in Bally sports regionals in the U.S., That's going to put 11 teams in the NHL, their games pre and post as well on Amazon Prime. That's big news. And we've talked all year about how regional sports networks are a huge part of NHL business and revenue that flows in. Well, guess what? If you held a regional sports package in Canada, which Sportsnet and TSN do, you want to get something for it. The Oilers and Leafs meet twice a year. Okay, you have to take one of those games and put it on national, which I think they did. The other one, you have to give your regional partners something to promote, some reason to pay all that money, and that's one of those games that stands out where if there's only two networks in Canada that hold all of the regions as Bell and TS or Bell and Rogers do, well, they both win. Rogers in the West, they get it on their regional network. TSN in the East with the Leafs, they get it on their regional network. You have to make everyone happy. So I understand why people are complaining, but there's sound logic, and this makes a ton of sense that if you're going to ask people to pay big bills for regional sports, then you have to also deliver the product that people want to watch. If not, why is anyone paying? So go cry somewhere else.
0: I don't like when you bring logic to these arguments Frank. I have way more fun just being blindly mad and full of rage about things. So please next time just go with the blind rage instead. Uh Garbage Time is brought to you by Wendy's in the Daily Face Off Survivor game. Only 59 people left as we get set for day 3, which is actually tomorrow. Um and everyone's pretty split as well just looking at the percentages. A few different ones around that 10 or plus percent mark. So head to dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com to get your name in the mix and maybe win Are some prize. Oh, no, I'm done. I'm cooked. I got cooked on day one this week. You?
3: Yeah, same. I was out so fast, so embarrassing again.
0: Very tough one. Uh, Oh, well, Frank, maybe we'll just have to sit down when you come out to Alberta and talk about our strategy. Have a little strategy session over a bacon portobello mushroom melt. Maybe that's the play. Maybe that'll get us on the right
3: track. Sounds perfect.
0: All right. That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Tomorrow, Michael Delzato is going to swing by for another appearance, so we'll have a lot to get to. You won't want to miss it. Chat tomorrow at noon Eastern.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.
0: But there's more, you gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under